What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Mendy here, joined by a piece of dessert that was almost late for the show. That's our of Benny, aka Little Cheesecake VLC. How's it going? You know, I I I was doing my due diligence right up to the last minute. I gotta be completely prepared you know i get here just on time because you know i'm doing it all for everybody i'm getting all the best info the latest injury reports the latest everything you're cutting That's yourself into a bunch of slices it sounds like yeah. serving it up for everybody <laughs> That's how every, everyone likes cheesecake man yeah uh, everyone I likes it can't disagree with you we are also joined by a man that makes fun of marty and his mispronunciations that's eric Mendelson, aka the doc what's going on you know, David, that was pretty good on the fly. You're getting better at this. Maybe there's a job for you in sales. I don't want to be in sales. You guys can it's, have that. It's it's better money than teaching and you work from home. Yes, you do. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And the last member See, of the I'm crew. I'm selling you on a sales job. Oh, yeah. They don't, do, you want, do we really want to sit on this for a second? I would not last a day in sales, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, the last member of the crew. The master of the call-up on YouTube and the master of callbacks and sales. That's Marty Tallman. What's going on? Uh, I'm doing good, man. But yeah, speaking of someone who's been in sales since 2015, you do not want to be in there. <laughs> there we go. So no. Marty's the wise one on this show. So I can just listen to the opposite of Doc and to what Marty says, and I'm golden. So, uh, But of course, you guys know, we always are joined by some guests. And I'm pumped to be joined by two listeners of the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast. has been getting more listeners on the show each and every week here. And we welcome in some men that are polar opposites when it comes to Adalberto Mondesi. One is a Nashville resident with a wife, two daughters, and an NFBC addiction. How big, you ask? He's drafted four DCs and 15 NFBC 50s already this year, and he's not slowing down anytime soon. Oh, he also likes Adalberto Mondesi in the third round. The other is a man after my own heart as he's a Minneapolis native and is a man after Doc's own heart living the life of no wife or kids. And I don't care what you say, will not be drafting Adalberto Mondesi. You might hear a couple of y'alls, some dangs, maybe a soda pop here or there, but I'm pumped as we welcome in the two, Britton Allen and Tate Schlichting on the show. How's it going, gentlemen? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me on and I am drinking a little bit of red wine, so uh, the more I drink, the more y'alls uh, that are going to be coming out. So hopefully y'all won't mind. I love it. And Tate, I saw you give me the thumbs up. I said the last name correct. You did it. Uh, I don't know how many times I got up to bat or was playing a sport and someone just butchered it so bad that I just have to laugh. So you did it. Um, happy to be here. Really thankful. Appreciate it. Um, can't wait to have some battles. Yeah, as we were kind of unveiling our picks all to one another before we got started here. We were very surprised at kind of the disagreements we're going to have, which is the best type of podcasting I can think of. So it's going to be a very fun show. Before we dive in, Britton first, and then we'll go to Tate. Give the people something to know about yourself that I didn't say in the intro. What should the people know about you guys, your fantasy baseball life, all that good stuff? Uh, I just started playing fantasy baseball uh, in 2015. A friend of mine uh, where I work wanted to start. He's a, a baseball fan, and he wanted to start a, a league. And I I just joined up because uh, uh, just to help him out. And I just I got addicted. 
I like it was just a ESPN 12 team, uh, you know, daily transaction league. And I got to like when we did the draft, I knew who Mike Trout was, but that was about it. <laughs> and then as the year, the season went on, I mean, every morning I would get up and sit on the couch and drink coffee and look at all the stats and all that stuff. And as it's gone, it's just gotten progressively worse and more obsessed with it. And now I, uh, I just I go to NFBC almost every single day and look at the teams that I'm drafting. And my wife said, you know, I'm 44 years old. She said, you know, this is a very strange midlife crisis. <laughs> I said, that's exactly what it's turned into. But I really love it. I love looking at the stats, the players, fan graphs, all that kind of stuff. I'm, and uh, it's just it's just a lot of fun. And I'm, you know, just trying to win a little bit. But the Alberto Mondesi thing, uh, I started playing NFBC uh, in 2020, which was the COVID season. And I was in 10 draft champions leagues. And the only leagues that I did well in were the ones that had Alberto Mondesi. So it's kind of one of those deals like, you know, when the first time you go to a casino, you win and then you never win again, like all through the years. So that's that's kind of me. That's my Alberto Mondesi love. I, I think since uh, I got lucky that one season with him that I'll just keep drafting him forever and ever and ever. Hey, you know what? If someone brings you, uh, you know, a title, some money or whatever case may be, I can see why you, you feel titled to want to stick with that player. Tate, you're on the other end of the spectrum with Mondesi. And you've been in the fantasy baseball industry for some time now. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, haven't been playing fantasy for very long. Uh, started, believe it or not, 2017. Uh, joined a dynasty league. It was on ESPN. Our prospects were on a Google Doc. It was horrible. Still in the league. Still losing record. It's terrible still. Um, but it just kind of spiraled. Uh, started loving baseball. Got in another dynasty. Now I'm in 430 teamers. Uh, I draft NFC, NFC. BC drafts every day. It feels like uh, um, if you go on my computer, it just auto opens to fan graphs. It's <laughs> it's it's an addiction. Um, but you know, my first NFBC draft, um, I didn't believe it or not, I didn't take Montesi. Uh, I won steals, won saves, took last in every other category. Still don't know what happened, how it worked out that way. But uh, um, I could be last in steals, and I still won't take him. <laughs> That's a hard stance. But I'm with it. So if he's in the 15th round, still no touchy. On all uh, he's not even on my board if he's in there in the 30th round. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you guys said that you guys have an addiction. But you know what? That addiction is perfect for what we're doing today. As we're getting into a very addicting position in the second base preview. Now you know, if we've been following, we did our catcher, our first base. Now we're into second base. And we're going to be talking about players we're fading, some players we like some late round gems and more. And as they all tease already, expect some disagreements and some debates with some of these guys. Cause I think we're going to be disagreeing a little bit after we go to our bullpen to our question of the week. Who's your favorite second base shortstop combo. These can be all time current. However, you feel like whoever has the best chemistry or slick double plays they've had together and our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we hit to do it for you and let's dive in. Really quick before we get into our second base preview, just got to remind you guys, you guys missed the triple players ball if you didn't sign up yet. We already started our draft, and it's going pretty well. League one that the four members of this show are on. Britton, are you in league two or league three? Three. You're in league three. What round are you in right now? Uh, Let me check. 
as you're pulling it up here, as a reminder, you guys are missing the triple players ball. That's right. Best graphic made from our guy Toby right there. Sorry, it's the triple play league. This is the first year of it. So 45 people competing for the overall, the golden cleats, the 1929 golden cleats that Cheesecake has in his house. We're going to make a plaque. And then every single year, it's going to go to the winner of that league with just your name engraved into that particular year. So it's going to be the triple play trophy. And I believe the first league, what are we in, like the uh, 18th, 19th round? Are we that far in now? We're about mid-17 round. Mid-17. We're moving along here. Britton, where are you guys at in League 3? We're we're at uh, round 11 at the end of round 11. And it looks like Justin Mason just took Glaber Torres as his 11th round pick. Oh, I like it. Some good value on Glaber Torres there. Mm -hmm. I want to go around real quick. And Tate, I'm going to have you involved as you can tell me your favorite team out of the ones that we talk about in 60 seconds or less for each of you guys. Give me your thoughts on your team, some picks. You'll highlight some picks on your team and all that good stuff. So, Doc, do you have your team in front of you? I can pull it up. Marty, do you have your team in front of you? I got mine. So mine okay. is the it's a, it's the roller coaster team. So, uh, you know, typically I'm really conservative when it comes to my drafting. But being at, you know, being team number one and being on this, um, being on the bend here, um, you have to just go get your guys. There is no like feeling out the draft. There is no anticipating what, you know, 30 picks are going to look like in front of you. So I'm just going for it, man. So um, started off with Trey Turner and uh, then Cedric Mullins. So I really boosted up and got some home runs, obviously solidified a lot of steals. A lot, and Doc's pointed this out. A lot of my team's going to ride on Jacob DeGrom. So I took him to the third round. Um, he's my fifth pitcher overall, and I got him as like the eighth pitcher. So I'm happy with that. I double dipped on saves. I got Chapman and Will Smith. So projected for about 64 saves just right off the bat. Now I don't have to worry about it. And then from there, just chipping away, man. Um, you know, added, keep adding on as much power and speed combo as possible. I love me some Robbie Grossman. Shout out to Justin Mason getting what Glaber in the 11th or 12th, you just said? Yeah, I think it was 160 overall. Wow, I got him in the ninth round. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy um, or I'm excited for his bounce back. I think he's going to get you 25 home runs, the 12, 12 stolen bases. A little afraid about um, Camden Yards being pushed back because that's where he loves to hit, obviously. And my last two picks were Jesus Sanchez and Charlie Blackman. And my favorite part about the Blackman pick is that it upset Doc. Yeah. All right, well. I, my team isn't pulled up, but I can recite by most of it, and I'll be shorter than Marty. Went pretty, uh, went pretty heavy hitter approach. I took Soto with the 106, Whit Merrifield on the way back. I had a lot of nice value fall to me, Arenado in the sixth, J.D. Martinez in the seventh, um, and trying to get some versatility, Chris Taylor. Uh, I need a little bit more speed in there, but I really I, I passed a lot on pitching. I got Ryan Presley, so I have a, a solid closer. But I really went with pitchers that are on good teams that are going to secure a win. So I took Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. The White Sox are projected the second most amount of wins in the American League. So hoping with some of my later picks, I can get pitchers that give me good ratio because hopefully just drafting pitchers on a good team will get me wins. And, you know, then I can just kind of cherry pick for the categories I need later. This was not shorter than Marty. You lied to me. Okay. Uh, Cheesecake, you're the longest talker on the panel. I'll be let's sure. Let's give me the give me the the sped up version. Yes. So I, I I picked from the fourth spot. I really like how I started. I started off hitting heavy, going Bichette, Perez, Goldschmidt, Arozarena, and India in five of my first six picks. 
Then I went with, I had Wheeler in the second to, to eight, to, to start my staff. Then I kind of, uh, pushed staff pretty hard, Darvish and Eovaldi and got Melanson as my first closer. And I felt like I was a little light on power, picked up Schwarber, picked up Rosario, took a chance on Marcelo Zuna. Cause I think that he's a good value where, where I got him and at pick like one, 180, 170 something. Then I went back to really pounding pitching, getting Joe Barlow, Adam Wainwright and John Gray to finish out, but threw in a Garrett Hampson because I thought I might be a little bit light on speed at that point. So, so uh, it was a, it was a good, uh, I feel like I'm in a good spot. I feel like I'm, I'm widely distributed uh, where I am right now. So I don't, I think, I, I don't think I have a lot of weaknesses so far. You had Tate until the Garrett Hampson pick, and he shook his head. <laughs> I just a sixty-seven WRC plus for his career, and he hits that Coors half the time. Uh, it's it's never going to happen. Yeah, I, he's he's kind of like a mine out there. He just he's there. You think the steals potential upside, and he just disappoints you every time. But Cheesecake's hoping this is the year. That's for sure. This is the year. I got him, Britton. How's your team looking through eleven rounds? I I. I I went hit or heavy for the first three rounds, and I never do that, and I'm not sure why I did this time, but uh, I picked second, so I got Jose Ramirez, and then in the second round, I took Jordan Alvarez, which I, I've never done that, so we'll see how that works. Whit Merrifield in the third, and I've only uh, picked four pitchers, Max Freed and Nathan Avaldi, uh, two closers, Will Smith and Mark Melanson, and then Brian Reynolds and Fran Mil Reyes, and th- this is the first time I've ever drafted Joey Votto in the 10th round. And he came after Crone, like Mount Castle, LeMahieu, all those guys. And he just was sitting there. So I took him. And then nice. in the 11th, 11th round, I took Robbie Grossman. I think I'm getting some good value there. Pretty solid. Um, I'm like you. I So I went aces and bases. So I took Garrett Cole with my first pick at the 108. And then I went my next three picks after that were Jordan Alvarez, and then I went Teoscar Hernandez, and then I went Pete Alonzo, and then I went JT Real Muto. So I got some really good bats. JT hopefully going to give me some double-digit steals. Got Bobby Witt, made sure I got my Bobby Witt share. I really believe he's going to be a top 50 player this year. He's got 30 stolen base upside. Able to get Nicky Lopez later on. I just He was just my most recent draft pick to get some more stolen bases there. I also have Austin Meadows, Verdugo, and Lane Thomas. Felt out. And then... Just pitching staff, Garrett Cole, Verlander, Snell, Logan Gilbert, Patrick Sandoval. So I feel like I got a, a pretty decent pitching staff. Floro is my first closer. I'm hoping nobody that's in our draft right now that picks after me is listening to this because I'm planning on trying to snag Jake McGee on the way back to get me another closer that's going to give me some saves. So uh, that's that's my plan was waiting heavily you on closers. Fool. You know, this this is live. You fool! <laughs> yeah, but no one, no, I, they're not listening right now. Yeah, yeah but they, yeah, I mean, it, it determines we're, how we're being open and honest with our process. Our, our listeners league isn't listening to our show right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if, if it gets picked, I'm going to blame it that I just put it out there. That's what I'm speaking I'm into existence. There. Yeah. All right. Well, that's just a recap of how our teams are doing so far. We'll definitely do a more full recap. Maybe a whole episode. We'll do on it. It'll be fun. But. Let's get into our second base preview. That's why people clicked on this episode. So let's dive in. And as always, we do ADP from a month out. So it ends up being just under, usually like around 80-ish something drafts. I think it's a pretty good sample size of ADP and recent ADP at that. So January 13th is that cutoff. I've got on the board, if you guys are on YouTube, you're going to be able to see 
the uh, ADP on screen here. We're going to go down to the bottom and we're going to talk about it. So let's start out with a second baseman going inside the top 15 that you really like. And that can factor in obviously with their price too. Sometimes the price is why you really like these guys so much. And since we got five guys on the panel here are going to be giving their picks, let's try to be quick, efficient, and give some good numbers and good analysis here. And we'll start with Britton first. Who in the top 15 are you trying to get a lot in your drafts? Uh, Jorge Polanco. Uh, he looks like he's ADP, I think, around pick 80. Is that? I think that's right. Uh, Jorge Polanco, 28 years old. Uh, he bats third for uh, Minnesota. Uh, I think he's in the number ninth second baseman going on overall. Last year, he had a career-high home mm-hmm. runs. He had 33. He stole 11 bases. And if you go to his stat catch page, and uh, I'm going to say a lot of things that I don't necessarily know what they do, but it sounds really good. It's called X-WOBA, X-BA, X-Slugging, Max Exit Velo, Barrel Rate, K-Rate, Whiff Rate, all red. So I've been told those are all good things. It looks like he's peaking now um, in his uh, year 28. 11 of his home runs were oppo. Uh, he's a good hitter in his prime, and you can get him uh, right after players like you know Jazz Chisholm, which you know I'm sure we'll probably talk about at some point. But he's just a solid hitter in a lineup, established lineup, you know, and. So, and anytime I bring up things like X Woba and XBA, you know, it just it just sounds so so intelligent, you know, and and I know I know what it means because I have a RotoWare shirt that says BABIP on it. Do y'all have Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I, I do. And right it there. says yeah. swinging strike rate and all that kind of stuff. So when I put it on, I feel like I'm you know a sabermetric, you know, super smart guy. And then my wife is like, "Oh, it's the BABIP shirt night." I'm like, yeah, you know what Babbitt means. I'm learning so much right now. So much uh, that I feel like in baseball, out of baseball, maybe I should start wearing a Babbitt shirt to go to bed. Absolutely. As I look over at my wife. Um, All right, Tate, in this range, it seems like you're going with a guy that I hear sometimes mixed reviews about, but you're really big on Mr. Brandon Lau. Yeah, Brandon Lau. So, I mean... He's going around pick 75 and ADP right now uh, from January 13th to today. Uh, 2021, he hit 247, 345, 23 with 39 home runs, which in case you're wondering is one of the all-time best home run seasons for a second baseman. Uh, and he was only four runs in RBI short of the 200 runs in RBI combo, which of course for Roto is the gold standard. If you can get a bunch of guys doing that, well, you'll win every time. Um, he had a 360 X Woba and a 43% hard hit. Uh, and all these numbers came uh, where he, uh, or after in April and May, where he didn't even hit 200. Um, I will concede, though, he, he does strike out a ton, like more than anyone should. Uh, but he does walk at 11% clip, which is supported by the projections. Um, like if you look at the bat X, he's batting 250, projected for mid 30s home runs a handful of steals uh, and something that you'll hear from me a lot is that every guy you have should get you at least a couple steals. Um, You need like 130, maybe less to win 90 to be really competitive in the steals market. Um, So getting a guy who could do 40 home runs and five steals, seven steals, that's, it's just huge, especially with good team context, like the Rays. Yeah. So Marty, he's your fade in this range and, like Tate said, the home run power, the steals, the team context, 
Is it just the strikeouts that scare you from wanting to take him as the number seven second baseman off the board? Yeah, I guess it'd be less um, personally about him and more of the fact that you can get Jazz around the same exact time. You can wait a little bit and get my guy, um, who's going to be Jonathan India, where you can get talking about double-digit steals. Um, yeah, the home run power is there. I'm finding out the more drafts I do, you can find home runs a little bit later. And yeah, that K rate, it, it truly does scare me. It's through the roof. So the K rate, and obviously you can get similar profile later on, but India is a good on-base guy, and you want someone safer in this range, it sounds like. Yeah, someone yeah, a little bit safer. I mean, he's hitting in, you know, uh, Cincinnati. I uh, like the 20, 20 home runs, 25 home runs, somewhere in between there, 12, 10, 12 steals and a good batting average, you know, where you're able to get him. I think he's the 12th. Um, he, he's number 10 in my rankings, number 12th in ADP. So I like that a little bit of a discount there. And Art got him in our triple players ball. And when he did, I was like, you know, because I, I went Trey Turner right away. And I was like, you know what? There's a second baseman. You could wait, you know, all those. I think he got him the seventh round. Could have waited, you know, obviously not as many steals, but, you know, it fills that gap. So I do like that. Well, the man who stole him from Marty, you uh, you're big on Mr. Javi Baez in this mm-hmm. range. Somebody that's a very polarizing player this offseason. I think a lot of people are fading him, but you like him. Yeah, I think that uh, Javi's Javi's going around pick 62. Uh, I said a few weeks ago that uh, Tyler O'Neill is one of the few power speed profiles that you're going to get. At, at after that point, well, Javi Baez is another one of them. Javi has uh, has uh, at least ten steals and has had at least eighteen twice, but has at least ten steals in every full season that he's played. Uh, Detroit, his new team, it's a squad that runs as well. He's going to be hitting third in that lineup. It's going to give him a chance to give you more of those runs plus RBI counting stats. And he has popped the projections. The low end projections are 27 home runs for him. And I think that is a low end projection, but it does take into account some, maybe some park change characteristics, but the high end projections are in the low thirties. So uh, you take his last season, he was 31, 18. Even if you bump those numbers down a little bit, maybe do some park uh, bumping down, you're still at 27, 14, 27, 15, and that's a really valuable uh, power speed combo. And, and I also noted that um, that he hit pretty well in City Field last season once after he got there. He only had 91 plate appearances there, but it didn't seem to really affect him that much that the size of the ballpark. So I think I think where he's going is at a discount because people are a little bit wary of his. Uh, style his 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 swinging swing and miss but um he does make a lot of hard contact so i think he's going to be very valuable i think people are also like you mentioned they're the park factor mm-hmm. being in detroit and that that profile also he's getting another year older so you would think it's going to continually get worse his swing and miss and i feel like that could be a reason why mr britain over there or no i'm sorry this is tate that dislikes javi baez yeah. Um, so for me with Hobby, it's that his K rate's gone up every single year since 2018. Strike swinging strike rate's gone up every single year since 2018. Um, and I've seen what this profile looks like when it bottoms out. Uh, it looks like his 2021 with the Cubs, where he strikes out 36% of the time, doesn't get on base, and the average starts to drop. Um, I mean, Hobby's a freak. He's he's an animal. You know what I mean? There's not many people that could strike out that much and still produce the way he does. I, I it's it's just him really. Um, but he's getting closer to 30. The park is worse. He's a gaps hitter, not a pole hitter. Um, Comerica is just terrible when it comes to the gaps. I mean, look what happened to, uh, to Casty when he got out of there. 
Um, it's just not a profile that I really like, especially when, uh, like, like it was talked about just a minute ago, you could wait another round and get Jazz, who could have the same power output, more steals, and strike out just as much. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like at the price it's a good play. Yeah, and again, that's why Javi Baez is kind of, I think, more so than any other second baseman inside this range. He's kind of been the biggest, him mm-hmm. and someone else we might talk about in a second, as far as kind of the, the biggest question marks that we're getting. Yeah. Someone, are you? I, I mean, I, I do think that that take brings some st- up some good points, but even in that Cubs sample, he had 248 with that high strikeout rate and had 27 home runs. So it was like, it's like in that shorts, that was before even going to the Mets, he had 27 home runs and hit two fifty, almost 250. I said, I think, you know, just his bad involved talent is, you know, it, it's going to shine through. Switching over from a more of a volatile profile with a couple guys, let's go to someone that seems to be a little bit more safer and Mr. Whit Merrifield, who Doc is a big fan of at his price here. Doc, tell us a little bit about Whit Merrifield. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm jealous that Britton got him in the third round. I had to reach for him in the second. I mean, we talk about stable, and look, there's there's no guarantees, but you want something that's as sure as possible, and that's what you're going to get with him. He's played the most games in the last four seasons. He's actually only missed four games, and he's led major leagues and at-bats the last three seasons, so each of those three seasons. And so that's what you want is really opportunity, and that's what he's going to provide uh, he has a 291 career average. He has a floor of 10 home runs, stolen base upside. He'll obviously give you RBIs and runs as well. I mean, he's just a safe pick, and he's second base and outfield eligible, and he's somebody that is a, a good building block in whatever format you play. Yeah, but the one thing I've heard people question with Whit Merrifield, he's an accumulator in the sense that he gets a lot of plate appearances every year, and if those plate appearances go down some, you know, could his production suffer? He did get 40 steals last year. And that's great, but he had 10 home runs. He's not going to have a lot of home runs. You know, the, the counting stats is something he relies on. And if he's not getting as many at bats, is he going to be worth that draft price? Yeah. Well, because- let me ask you why, why would he not be getting as many at bats? Like I understand your man crush Bobby Witt might come up, but Witt Merrifield is still going to be the leadoff hitter hitting number two. Like I don't see a reason for him to have decreased at bats barring an injury. I'm looking more in the sense of with how much he's accumulated over the last few years, he's getting older and that it's to expect that type of the amount of at bats that he's been getting year after year. is not something I would expect to continue at some point. He's is this 33. He's only, he's only played six seasons. Like he came up at 27. He's 33. Like, I mean, Nelson Cruz is still doing this at 39, 40. So what did you say? The stat you said is he has the most at bats over the last he has, four seasons. So he's played the most games over the last four seasons. Uh, over any last, other big leaguer. And over the last three seasons, he's led the major leagues in at-bats each of those last three seasons. Which, again, I think is a big reason why he's able to produce as much as he is. But that's, again, that's where I'm kind of like, I did why I didn't take him in the second round because I said I'm not comfortable paying that price for him. Third round is where I would be okay with that. So, again, it kind of determines how you feel about him in that sense. Got Mike Carter checking in. Always a pleasure to have the doc, the better doc coming in and checking in on the chat. Always Gosh. appreciate you, Mike. You know, if I don't win this triple player spot, I just want to squash you like a bug. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to some players we hate. And I know we touched upon a, a few already, so that will make this segment a little bit shorter. But, Doc, let's go right back to you. And you picked somebody that I think I've heard disliked more in this range than anybody else. And that's the guy that's going number four here, and Marcus Semyon. You obviously don't think he's doing anywhere near what he did last year. 
Yeah, and I mean, I was a big Semyon guy last year. And once again, it's not that you hate these guys. It's just the value you have to pay for them. So he's going on average 38th, a min of 17, and a max of 60. So he's going to be in a worse lineup. And, and figure that's counting stats as well, the RBIs and the runs. And just like we talked about with Whit Merrifield, probably less plate appearances. So 45 home runs last season. It was a career high for him. 33 was his career high previous. And before that, it was 27. So even if he has another good power year, I don't see him getting anywhere close to 45. I mean, he really did up his launch angle. He had 102 RBIs last season, but once again, that's a career high compared to the 90 he had. And look, he's a safe player. I think he's going to give you good stats all around, but he's not going to give you an upside on anything that you're looking at. And I would just rather someone that's not as consistent as him I would rather take someone that has a higher ceiling. Like Witt has been doing this for multiple years, which is why I'm okay taking him at a higher price. But Marcus Simeon has done this two years in a four-year span, and he's kind of alternated good and bad. Yeah, and he's going to Texas, bigger, a different ballpark, obviously not as good a lineup. You know, He was someone, again, that people are calling accumulator last year. Uh, I think this is not a price that most people are comfortable paying to go get him, and that's the biggest problem. If you know if he slips closer to you know pick sixty, kind of where Javi Baez is going, I think people that's where they're starting to want to consider him, but not inside the top forty is not where you're finding most people comfortable taking him there. Now, Tate, I know we did we discussed your dislike for Javi Baez, and I believe we also uh, talked about your dislike of Brandon Lau, uh, Marty. Yeah, it was so, mine. But actually, can I ask uh, Tate a real quick question? Go ahead. Does, go ahead. does Lau batting, you know, 198 against lefties long term, does that scare you at all that, you know, Tampa might just, you know, platoon him and next thing you know, he's not playing every day? Uh, I mean, they haven't platooned him yet. So he's 24. Uh, <laughs> uh, 149, 149 games played last season, uh, 48 the year before that, I'm pretty sure, or mid 40s. Um, you know, there's still time to adjust on the lefties. Uh, of course, it's the Rays, so they have Vidal Bruhan and and every other top prospect waiting behind them. Um, so maybe guys like Bruhan or Taylor Walls could come steal some time, but uh, I'm really not that worried about it. Um, he absolutely crushes righties, um, so no, I'm not. I'm not too worried. All right, here's somebody that I'm interested that is on this list. Tommy Edmond is somebody that Art does not like, mm-hmm. and right now. He is currently going as the 11th second baseman, right around pick 85. The stolen base mm-hmm. is obviously being a huge part of what's appealing to him. Cheesecake, is it because you think the steals go down? Do you think it's just there's nothing else in his profile that makes him attractive to you? What is it about Tommy Edmond that you're fading? Uh, I, I mean, th- he does have a somewhat attractive profile. Uh, he he has a low on-base percentage, and he hits first. And I think a lot of his... His steals come from the fact that he is hitting first. Twenty-five of his steals came in the 124 games uh, that he that he hit first. Um, he only had five in the 35 other games where he hit anywhere else in the batting order. He would have had 17 at that pace if he had hit anywhere else in the batting order over the whole season. So, like you 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 would knock down his steals by about eight last season if he had not been leading off. And I and I'm not convinced he's going to be leading off the whole season because of that low on base percentage. He does have um a good high exit velocity, max exit velocity, but he has a very low hard hit rate. So I think that you know there with that high uh max exit velocity, I could possibly see some power growth, but but he really doesn't 
I mean, he doesn't hit the ball hard very often. So, and his barrel rate is rather low. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not really going to project, um, even with that high exit velocity that he's going to, you're going to start seeing more power. So I think, you know, especially with the DH, he could be the type of guy that starts batting ninth in that order, uh, on a regular basis. If, if another hitter comes up and his steals are going to go down, his runs plus RBIs are going to go down. So th- that, that's one of the things that I wanted to, uh, that I wanted to outline about him. I just think that he's not, he's not a value where he's going. He's not, he's not worth it because his, he is giving you that speed, but it might not be great speed and it might not be coming with as much other things as he gave last year. Because I think, I think that was really batting order dependent. And you have Nolan Gorman uh, getting ready to be, you know, be expected to join the team sometime in 2022. You have uh, Mm -hmm. Lars Newtbar who also is expected to be with the team at some point in 2022. And if those two guys are in the lineup and if Edmund's not producing, they could bump mm-hmm. him. I think that's yeah. another thing that kind of scares me as well. Yeah. And there's a new manager there. Uh, you know, it's possible that um, Schilt, their, their last manager really liked Edmund's speed at the top of the order. And this new manager is not going to like it. Uh, and Edmund played 159 games last year. He, he really maxed out his plate appearances. Yeah. I could see him losing some, some plate appearances as well. Don't disagree with you there. Britton, you're hurting me, man. You're fading smooth jazz. Smooth jazz, the guy that might be the the biggest low floor, high ceiling player in this range. You're you must be on the side that you think doesn't come anywhere near the potential that people think. Not this year. Uh like I'm when it, my favorite was Jorge Polanco, and I and I kind of look at it like like a player like Polanco is uh, established. He's got a track record. He's actually getting better and all the underlying metrics look good. So it's kind of like a situation where he's, he's buddy's boring, right? And he plays for the twins and that's really boring too. He's kind of like the girl you want to marry. Whereas jazz is the girl you want to date, right? <laughs> Talented, exciting, fun, blue hair. His name is jazz. Uh, he is hits, what? Does your wife listen to these pods? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, she'll listen to this one for sure. I probably. Oh yeah! <laughs> you've, you have at least one new listener uh, uh, for for this uh, podcast, but you know I love jazz. Uh, he's he hits the Jacob. Remember that Jacob Degrom hundred mile an hour heater that he hit. It was up high, and he hit it out of City Field at hundred miles an hour. That's very exciting, but. Unfortunately, like a lot of exciting girls you date, uh, you kind of get – there's some issues that eventually pop up. And like like Jazz had a terrible second half hitting. Uh, his K rate, his walk rate, whiff rate, chase rate, ice blue like his hair. Uh, his hit tool – like I, look, I looked at him because I really, I really like him. He's very exciting. And he, he's a lot like Rudneg Bordeaux, which – when he hits it hard, he hits it. But like uh, Jazz's strikeout rate last this was last year was twenty eight point six. Rugnet Odor's when he was with the Yankees twenty seven point seven. So Jazz actually struck out more than Rugnet Odor, and that's just disturbing. Um, but you know Rugnet, he had a good couple seasons at Texas where he hit thirty home runs and stole ten bases. And I think Jazz is probably going to do that too. He's going to have those 30 home run, 10 stolen bases year. 
And then the next year, it's not going to, you know, maybe not work out quite as well. But, uh, you know, you just can't strike out that much and then, you know, pick them in the fourth round or whatever you have to pick them in. But that's, you know, uh, but he's still a great player. Just, you know, got to get that strikeout rate down. I was hoping you weren't going to stop talking because I was enjoying every second of that. <laughs> no, that was good. I, I mean, I agree. Like that, sure. there's definitely a lot of volatility in his profile. There's a huge, huge gap potentially between his ceiling and his floor. It's one of those things. I think if you're like in an overall, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take him. I'm going to take Buxton. I'm going to take these guys that could get me to an overall, or I'm going to finish in last place. It's the Ricky Bobby type of method. I think. Yeah. If if you rely and you take Jazz in this range you're basically saying, you know, I'm ready for the risk. And if you're someone that doesn't like that type of risk, you take like a Jorge Polanco, like you said, or a Cattell Marte who go after him. So yeah. I think it's the type of strategy that you like to play with, especially in these overall type of formats. Oh, so, he's, he's irresistible. I mean, if you're looking at between him and Polanco, you always want to take jazz, but, uh, you know. Well, who doesn't love jazz? Right, who doesn't That's love right. jazz? Jazz on uh, a summer's day. <laughs> let's go to the next round to the next area of players 16 through 30 and i think these are really interesting to talk about because these are guys especially if you wait at second base that you might be able to grab later on and not miss a beat so tate let's go to you first and you're a big urias guy and people are like which urias are you talking about well are there Luis urias there's ramon urias i think i'm pretty sure there's another urias out there but we're talking about Luis urias for the milwaukee brewers who was eligible at second, third, and short, which is already attractive. And besides that, looked like he had a lot of good things in his profile, especially towards the end of last season. Yeah, uh, you know, actually, for my sleeper, I was going to go with Ramon Urias, but uh, I just didn't feel good making it a, uh, uh, you know, another brother thing going on here. So, um, yeah, Urias, this pick feels kind of like cheating. Um, he's just outside the top 150 in ADP. Uh, he's going 152 right now. Uh, he made some tangible changes to his stance and approach in 2021. Uh, led him to hit 23 home runs, uh, 249 average, and that average has been climbing every single year since his original debut. Uh, he also did hit, you know, close to 300 and, and was graded at a 65 hit tool when he was coming through the minors. Um, you know, he walks at a 10% clip, lowered his strikeout rate to just over 20%. The lineup there, the context, it's it's pretty good. They just got Renfro. I'm really happy we got rid of Jackie Bradley Jr. Great defender. That dude could swing an oar and not hit a baseball. So, um, you know, a, a good lineup, like I said, if Yelich bounces back, it's even better. And Urias just gives you a shot at a guy who could possibly hit 25 home runs, steal 10 bases, and bat 275. And at 152, I don't really know many more guys that are going to do that after him. Yeah. Again, the multi-position eligibility, the changes he made, just everything about his profile seems very attractive there. And you're getting him after pick 150 the 18th second baseman off the board, not too bad. A max pick of 212. So if you can get him after 200 too, I mean, it's pretty, pretty solid. I, I like that call to start this section off. If you get him at 212, it's it's highway robbery. <laughs> Is it one of the best feelings when you set a max pick on a player? I think that goes up there. It's like there's sex. There's uh, I was thinking max, of a max pick. It's, it's, I mean, they're, they're right hand in hand together, honestly. Uh, let's go to uh, transitioning from sex talk to another player that is in this range that is liked. And I'm going to go to you, uh, Cheesecake. Let's talk a little bit about Garrett Hampson, who is a very polarizing player. And we talked a little bit pre uh, kind of in the beginning about 
a couple of you guys disagreeing on Garrett Hampson, but you're all about it this year. Yeah, I'm all about Garrett Hampson. I think when you compare him to the 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 person I just talked about, Tommy Edmond, I think that Garrett Hampson is is kind of like Tommy Edmond, 200 picks later, a little bit. Edmond's high end is more plate appearances, more steals, uh, more runs plus RBIs. But the home runs plus steals um, are going to be comparable at the end of the season. I think this is the season Hampson uh, gets 550 to 600 plate appearances. Last season, he only had um, around 400 and, uh, 450 or so. Um, and he's produced uh, 11 home runs, 17 steals. I think that <clears throat> with 550 to 600 plate appearances, you're going to be looking at 11 to 15 home runs, and over 20 steals, and he's going at pick 280 right now. Uh, currently, he's a second-base outfielder. He's projected to be the starting shortstop, so he's going to give you added positional versatility from that. And, uh, you know, he already, like I said, he already has that second-base outfield eligibility. There's a lot of variation in the in the pro- projections. The projections have him between 428 and 470 plate appearances, though. I think that's light. So, um I think if he's going to get 550 to, to 600 plate appearances, you're looking at a very nice season from Hanson, and there's no reason for them not to play him this year. I think there's a, every reason to play him. Yeah, and I think it is kind of interesting, too, that you know Tate was really off on him, and for the reasons that made sense, obviously not great numbers at Coors Field. There is still that potential that tantalizing potential that exists, and he's a lot cheaper than he used to be. What pick did you get him? Do you remember in the triple players ball? Uh, it was um it was in the two two forties, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, it was in the two forties. I didn't I thought it was a nice price. You picked Nikki Lopez right after, and I was between the two of them. I actually went with Hansen because I thought he had a little bit more power, but uh you know, that's going to be one of those that if Lopez outperforms Hampson this year, I'm going to be kicking myself because it was really between those two. And and I just uh, I just swore at you in our group text about <laughs> after you announced that you picked Nicky Lopez. I did. You're going to. You're going to I'm, oh, I have something fun to look forward to. You're going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, all right. Let's go to to Marty and somebody that you like in this range is a homer pick. But also maybe not a homer pick, just in the fact that I I think I agree with you for his price. But his name is not Jonathan Scoop; it's Jonathan Scope. Absolutely, it's Scope. Oh, did I type Scoop? You typed Jonathan Scoop. Ah, uh, well, no. He, yeah, Mister Scope. And just so you know, in the triple players ball, I only have one tiger, and that's Robbie Grossman. So booyah. But anyway, <laughs> so Jonathan Scope. You guys may remember. Yes, that's the same dude that was on Baltimore. And hey, he's literally only thirty years old. So I think a lot of people have just written him off, maybe for good reason. You know, once you leave Camden, it's a little bit harder to kind of, you know, get your groove back. But last year in Comerica, Scope hit 22 home runs with 85 runs, 85 RBIs, and he batted 278. He has first base and second base eligibility. So where he's going, he can be your middle infielder or your corner infielder. And what I'm seeing as the, um, as the drafts progress, middle infield gets choppy real quick. So ATC projects him for 23 home runs, 74 runs, 74 RBIs, and a 263 average. So for where he's going, I love that value. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a pretty good range for him there. He's never a sexy pick. It's it's nope. like the opposite of well, no, Hori Polanco. It's, it's mis- you know, it's missionary. You know, it's just, it's safe. You know? <laughs> Gosh. Oh, oh, we're really and, good. And, 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 art, and, art, and art is the dirty one normally. Yeah. You open the door for this. 
I don't usually do this. You brought it out of me. Yeah, I don't know where we're going. This is my this podcast might have to get a, like a mature label on it this episode, yeah. for sure. Uh, now, Doc, you picked Eduardo Escobar. Can you name another Eduardo? Eduardo Rodriguez. No, can you name a cartoon Eduardo? Uh, that's from a uh, Foster Home for yeah, Imaginary nice Friends. Nice job, nice job. For some reason, got you. My- got you. That's why we're got you, bro. okay. Okay, All right, wait, up. wait, wait to talk about sex and then Foster's home for imaginary friends. Yeah, I know. We follow our opposites. This is a weird podcast. Okay. Eduardo Escobar, somebody I think that can fill your need, especially the fact that he can fit multi positions. You see, he's second base and third base eligible, going around pick 190, the 22nd second baseman off the board for the Mets. What do you like him so much? Yeah, we talked about the positional flexibility. I mean, he has a he's a 20 plus floor home run, actually had 28 last year. I, once again, 90, 90 RBI floor. He's had as many as 118. His batting average has been going down, so that is something to look at. But last year, he actually had a career high in on-base percentage. So I'm looking at him having a little bit of better play discipline, being a little bit more patient. He just got paid, so he's definitely going to play in the Mets lineup, especially since it looks like we're going to have a universal DH. And Mets low-key have a stacked hitting lineup. And hopefully he hits in that five, four or five spot maybe. A lot of RBI opportunities there. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's go now quickly in the other direction. And Doc, we'll go right back to you. Somebody that you dislike in this range. And you pick somebody that I'm actually kind of shocked at. The other ones, I could see it a little bit more. But Colton Wong, you're out on, which for where he's going and what he could provide, especially with some stolen bases and everything. I'm very confused about that. Please enlighten me why I should fade Colton Wong. Yeah, well, I think Colton Wong had a lot of promise early in his career. I mean, the the Cardinals locked him up to a five-year, $55 million extension after his first full season, which is something they never really do. So he has a 262 career batting average, and his ceiling has been 285. Now, that's not something I really like for somebody that is going to hit up top the lineup. He had 14 homers last year at age 30, which is a career high for him. Is he going to do that again? Probably not. I'd say maybe in the 8 to 11 range. And He's going to give you 10-ish stolen bases, but he's been a very, very streaky player as we've seen over time. I mean, the Brewers overall can get very cold hitting the ball. Like that, Their pitching is what carries them. And I just think if you're expecting Colton Wong to improve at 31 years old, that you're not going to get that. You might get a repeat of last season, but once again, that was a career year at 30. So I just think that he, we're not going to see the similar stats we saw from him. So, you know, even at that price, though, I mean, this 21st second baseman off the board, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather take Eduardo Escobar, who I know is going to give me more power, more RBIs, probably a little bit worse batting average, but he, it's more guaranteed in those two stats and a five, five by five roto. All right. Give me Colton Wong over Eduardo Escobar. Maybe we'll make you a You want to make a wait, wait, let's make a friendly bet or, or some bet. Okay. I'm good with the baseball bets. That's fine. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll think of what the prize will be. Let's go back to Marty and Marty, somebody that you don't like in this range is somebody who actually I've seen people talk about that they like a lot as well. And that's Ryan McMahon. I know our guy Bubba just wrote an article about Ryan McMahon and thinks that this could be a good, nice year for him. Why do you not like him? Well, first, if if it's Bubba, I will I will read the article and I will think about it critically, as I always do. But uh, for me, I just give McMahon thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather take my um, I'd rather go with Brandon Rogers if I'm going to do it. Uh, 26 percentile and uh, 26 percentile with K percentage. His XBA is in the 33rd percentile. 
He strikes out a ton. His sprint, his sprint speed is in the 34th percentile. So even though he got you six stolen bases, I wouldn't um, count on that You know, next time around. I like that he plays in cores, but for who's going around him, like, and you guys just went over a couple of those guys. I definitely would rather see the upside there. I just don't see any upside with him, and he's an easy fade for me. But like I said, with Bubba, I'm going to check out the article. We'll reconvene. Yeah, I think he was talking about, this is ADP analysis, Chris Bryant versus Ryan McMahon. And Chris he Bryant. goes and he goes through talking about the uh, basically how you can get a later McMahon and it's shown more consistency over the last couple of years. So it's a good art. Anytime Bubba puts an article out, so that'd be worth the read. But if, I would rather if, have Eduardo Escobar straight up. Why is this an Eduardo Escobar love podcast? I'm just saying. I, hey, I like, I mean, he's been in the league for forever and he's continuing to still hit more home runs than he ever has. And now he's finally in a good lineup. He has some, you know, position eligibility. And I know I'm just hyping up Doc, but I just <laughs> wait, don't like wait, wait, Marty, Marty, finish me off. Eduardo <laughs> Escobar and Colton Wong. <laughs> Colton Wong. Ah, there we okay. go. All right. I got blue balls now. <laughs> All right. Cheesecake, the mature one on this show. Why don't you tell us about your dislike with Max Muncy, who I think most of the people in the industry are with you on that one. Yeah. I, I mean, I see that he's going around pick 150, which I think is, is far too high. Um, he had a torn UCL uh, injury. Um, and Dr. Dave McDonald says, don't, you know, torn UCLs <laughs> don't fix themselves. Um, uh, but, uh, but, uh, he, he did not have surgery and he said, um, that he did not have surgery because the ligament actually just laid in a particular way so that it would heal himself. But, um, you know, doing research most of the time, most of the time, uh, a, to- a tear in the UCL, uh, requires surgery to fix, um, I did a little bit of uh, snooping online about the injury, um, and uh, there is a, an article about um, recovering from UCL injuries, and they actually um, studied it, and, and hitting actually comes back uh, um, later than, than throwing on UCL injuries. And, and given that it's in his, his, uh, his pushing arm, because uh, he's a left-handed hitter and it's his left arm, which had the UCL, it's not his throwing arm, um, it is in line with a lot of the people who get UCL injuries from their throwing arm, which is their dominant hand. Um, and that action of swinging a bat takes, it takes longer to recover than actually throwing for, for a lot of these people. When you have a UCL tear, I just think that, you know, there's no way you can project him to have a full season. Um, I think there's no way to project a half season with any sort of certainty from Max Muncy. Um, now he did, say in Jan- the end of January that he has just started swinging a bat. Um, that is the beginning of the process. You do dry swings then you take batting practice and then you do games. And that is a months long process. So I think that we're looking at months until m- months he's ready to be playing. All right. Uh, nothing you said. I disagree with. So let's go to Tate and let's talk about somebody that might hurt cheesecakes heart. And you are fading Nico Horner. Because, nope, I'm fading Brendan Rodgers. Oh, whoops! I read the wrong thing. You're right, Brendan no, Rodgers. It's, it's okay. Um, first, real quick, if I can, I just want to comment on on Max Muncy. Um, sure. Don't forget the Dodgers have Edwin Rios coming back. Miguel Vargas is sitting there in the minors, ready to come up. Um, their first round pick from a couple of years ago, whose name I can't think of right now. Uh, he'll be up soon too. Uh, he's a third baseman. The Dodgers 
have to perform. Their payroll demands it. Their fans demand it. Um, I think Rob Manfred demands it. So um, if he struggles at all, they'll replace him fast. Um, but yeah, to my fade, I'm fading Brendan Rodgers. Um, to steal Britain's comment about a player, if you look at Brendan Rodgers' StatCast page, it's it's icy blue like Jazz's hair uh, with one <laughs> one red highlight. Uh, he doesn't hit the ball particularly hard. He doesn't bail it up really all that well. He has a below league average sprint speed. He doesn't walk. Uh, and the man hasn't attempted a stolen base since 2018. He was in double A. I want Brendan Rodgers to be good, but the profile is just really boring. It's a below average Woba, a below average X Woba. Um, Coors can solve a lot, and I, I hope it does solve a lot for him because he could be really exciting, and so could Garrett Hampson, and so could name any Rockies player we've been cheering for. Um, but but really, he just doesn't provide a lot of value. And when you're picking him at 161, you need someone who's going to provide value. Yeah, definitely agree with you. And it's going to be interesting to see how all these different baits kind of play out here. And the Rockies, it's interesting, but Brendan Rodgers and Ryan McMahon on here, you guys just seem like you're very negative on a lot of these Rockies hitters. So it seems like it's going to be a very rough year in Colorado with Garrett Hampson's and Ryan McMahon's and the Brendan Rodgers. Not a good time for Rockies. Uh, Britton, finish this one out for us. Talk about your fate, and this time I can say it, hurt Cheesecake's heart with your Nick Madrigal fate. If if it's all right with y'all, I'd like to play a trivia game. And <laughs> sure. to, up, to up the stakes, whoever gets the trivia question right, I will send a Roto-Wear BABIP t-shirt to you as a prize for winning this trivia question. So let's go. All right. I want hey, it. Nick Madrigal. So he started out in the White Sox organization. He played when he was 21 years old. He played rookie level. He's played A, high A, double A, triple A. And then he made his debut in the MLB 2020. Uh, and then, uh, and then 2021, he was also still up. Before he got hurt, he tore his hamstring in June and missed the rest of the season. But the trivia question is this. What is, how many home runs, the highest number of home runs he hit at any level? That's rookie A, high A, double A, triple A, and then MLB. Three. Yeah, I, it, it, he, he was holding Mike. I was pretty sure it was two. I was going to say three. One. All Doc's right. not guessing. <laughs> I said three. Oh. Two. <sighs> two. I was going to say that runs. to be fair, but Tate had it first, so I can't. <laughs> oh, it's it's okay. If you got it right, you got it right. So, uh, uh, well, I know it. deep down I did then. <laughs> <laughs> Babbitt for everybody, but... Uh, you know, he tore his hamstring last year. He's a contact hitter. He's projected to hit ninth in the uh, in the Cubs lineup, uh, and he just doesn't hit home runs. So you're you're going to get a zero in that category. Uh, he did steal some bases in Double A and High A. Uh, I think he he had 14 and uh, 17, so that's good. Uh, but you know, just drafting Nick Madrigal, 
you know, when, when you're literally taking a zero and home runs, that means you're going to have to make that up somewhere else. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's just something I would fade. I, he's a good hitter. He's a contact hitter. Uh, but you know, there, there are other players around there that you can get that aren't going to give you a zero in that category. Yeah, uh, you're definitely taking a big L on that. And if he hits ninth, the counting stats might not be there. You're just pretty much relying on empty batting average at that point. So I can definitely see why that would be an issue. He probably is a better real-life player than he is a fantasy player because you're getting batting average. And if he hits ninth and you have Nico Horner at the top of the order, then you maybe are just getting two guys that will get on base in front of the number two, three, and four guys. So I can definitely see the appeal real-life, not for fantasy. All right, Brent, we're going to go right back to you. And if you guys can give me these in about 60 seconds or less, just the quick version of your sleepers, your late round gems, so we can get on and we don't, we're not here for too, too long. So, Bryn, give me your late round gem at the second base position. All right. I know Tate doesn't like this one, but Mike Brousseau for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, he's second base, third base eligible. The Brewers traded for him in November of last year. Uh, you can get him in the 45th round of a of a DC. He's currently a, a short side platoon bench player, but here's the here's all the positions he played with the Rays before he got traded: second base, third base, first base, left field, right field. All right. So if anybody on the Brewers playing any of those positions get injured, I think Mike Brousseau is the player that's going to take over and pitch in. And uh, when you when you're in that 45 you know, round range, you're just looking, all the starters are gone, obviously. So you're just looking for somebody that might have an avenue to an everyday start. And Mike Brousseau does. Um, And also, I also like him because I don't know if y'all remember this, but Aroldis Chapman threw a ball at his head in a regular season game. It was Yankees versus Rays. And then uh, I think it was 2020 in the ALDS, it was Chapman versus Brousseau. And Brousseau hit a home run off Chapman to win the ALDS and to advance past the Yankees. So I don't know. I think that's great. So I like Mike Brousseau. I rem- that's what I remember him most for, is that for sure. You're right. He's, he's definitely somebody that could get into some playing time. And you're getting him as a 60th second baseman off the board. So it's insane, insane value near pick 700. Tate, who's your guy? Sure. So 43rd second baseman off the board, uh, Cubs legend Nico Horner. Um, he doesn't strike out really at all, walks at a 10% clip, and he's the kind of guy that you pair with a Brandon Lowe because uh, he could bat 300, give you 10 home runs if the happy fun ball's back, and steal you 10 to 15 bases. Uh, he's just that that kind of guy you get at the, the very late parts of the draft that can give you three categories that are relatively hard to find. Uh, with average and stolen bases and then runs. Yeah. Uh, again, we kind of talked about it with a little bit with Nick Madrigal, but in the sense that he'll be at the top of the order and hit for a good batting average, he should go to get some runs and batting average and, you know, should be a decent guy to have this late in the draft. Cheesecake, who's your pick? Wilmer Flores. I think he's just a good hitter. Um, he's not uh, penciled in right now for any, any, uh, strong side platoons, but he backs up first base. He backs up third base. Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria both have long injury track records. Um, and he's a sh- short side platoon at second base. And Tommy Listella is the strong side platoon there. And um, he also has a long injury track record. So I think there's a, a chance for uh, Flores to get it 
into a lot of playing time. And uh, he's just he's just a really good hitter, about 260 career hitter, 270 career hitter with, with a little bit of pop um, and uh, going way down at pick 400. All right. I like it. Marty, who's yours? For me, it's Jeff McNeil. And this is going to be someone I, I would target, you know, if you're looking at your batting average um, as you're drafting and you need a little bit of a boost, you know, po- post the uh, 30th pick at second base. He rarely strikes out. Um, even with a really down year last year, over the last four seasons, he slashed 299, 364, 459. So, you know, uh, if we get any type of bouncy ball, that, that's when he actually did connect on a couple home runs. We could even, even see double digits there. But where McNeil's at for an average boost, I like it. And, I mean, this is not too long ago a guy that was going a lot higher towards the top 15 second baseman when he had that career. I think it was in the short in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah. He was he finished sixth in Rookie of the Year voting. And mm-hmm. um, and overall, next year, the Mets offense should be a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, I, I like him. He's someone I've, I've been targeting a lot more, especially if I sleep on middle infield. Doc, give me your last player to round this out. Yeah, so for me, it's Dylan Moore and talking about, you know, somebody that was much higher last year. I mean, look, this is kind of a flyer, second base 45, uh, but he's also outfield eligible. I mean, he's going to get you steals if he plays. He had 21 last year. He had 12 home runs. Now, the big bugaboo with him is the average. He had less than 200 last year. I mean, that's just going to kill it. But let's say he can even get back up to 210 or 220. I think Seattle has a better lineup this year. And, you know, you're taking him close to pick 500. So, you know, there's worse things you could do. Yeah, I mean, before he was very much kind of the guy people were talking about, hey, he's getting ranked too high. What you saw at the end of of 2020 is not what he is. The home runs and stolen base upside, he was somebody that you saw people were taking maybe in the first five, six rounds last year. And he's nowhere near that player anymore, or what people think. So at this price, it's definitely worth a gamble for sure. All right, a lot of players we talked about there, a lot of fun. We're going to now quickly get into what makes triple play, triple play. And that's starting with our question of the week, which is, of course, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple play fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New deposits receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code triple play. So our question this week, Marty came up with this one. Marty's actually been low key the best one at these recently. Who is your favorite second base shortstop combo? And you can think of guys who've turned the best, most stylish double plays, had great chemistry, could be past or present, which you guys did ask me in the chat separately was I gave you the question. So I was really happy to see some of the answers you guys had because they're going to hear the names and they're going to be like, oh, yeah. So, Britton, why don't you start us off? Well, I would say uh, any any triple or double play involving Javier Baez has got to be probably one of the one of the best or most stylish. But. I picked uh, Ozzie Smith and Tommy Herr from the 1980s. I grew up in Jackson, Tennessee. My grandparents are from St. Louis, Missouri. And the first uh, baseball game I ever went to, my grandfather took me to Bush Stadium. And I was uh, seven years old. It was 1985 with uh, Ozzie Smith was playing. So they they called him the wizard. Um, He won 13 consecutive Gold gloves, that can't be right. That can't be right. But I but that's but that's what Wikipedia tells me. So uh and Tommy Herr was uh kind of underrated. He was an all-star in nineteen eighty-five, but uh he led the NL in double plays made for four consecutive seasons. Um and Ozzie Smith obviously was a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
So I, no one really talks about Ozzie Smith anymore. I don't know if that's because he's from the Cardinals in the Midwest, but he was truly uh, one of, if not the best, shortstops of all time. So that, that's my pick. I like it. Anything with Ozzie Smith, I'm all about. Tate, who's your pick? Sure. So I'm going with a, an electric defender who couldn't stay on the field, but uh, give me uh, give me Troy Tulowitzki and Clint Barnes or DJ LeMahieu. Uh, you can kind of pick whichever second baseman you want, but Tulo was a machine. The dude was absolutely awesome when he was healthy. Uh, still too bad that, that he missed so much time, but he was awesome. Which one of you guys, which one of you guys, I can't for some reason, won't let me scroll up and see the other parts of our conversation. Which one of you talked about Unitsky, Betancourt, and oh. Ricky Weeks? Yeah, so I'm a big uh, big Brewer fan. Uh, never forget the the remnants of the Zach Greinke trade, the uh, the greatest mid-infield combo of all time, Unitsky, Betancourt, and Ricky Weeks. Um I'd be willing to bet they had 50 errors a piece and didn't turn a single <laughs> double play, but it was beautiful. Yeah, when I saw those names, I was like, all right, I hope those get on the show. I just couldn't, for some reason, I couldn't see which one of you said it. But yeah, no, I mean, those were some tough times, those Brewers days, but they're finally looking pretty good. I, I didn't know you were a Brewers fan until you had put it in the chat with us that you were. But. Yeah, wait a minute, Tate. Aren't you from Minnesota? Uh, I'm from the great city of Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, oh, so okay. as fa- as far north as you can get, uh, I might as well be from Canada. But yeah, go Brewers. Um, but I live right next to Target Field. So how, how, how's your Aboot game? Oh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty good out here. But uh, I think we should probably get back to the show. Okay. <laughs> You're like tootin'. I like it. Uh, cheesecake. I don't know how you follow that, but you can try. Uh, the the uh, the right answer to this, because who would have better chemistry than two brothers, Cal and Billy Ripken, for four seasons, played the second base shortstop combo for the Baltimore Orioles. The only two gold gloves Cal ever ever won were with Billy as uh, his second baseman, and Billy was uh, was one of the best fielding second basemen in the game. So, chemistry, and also uh, the family connection, Cal and Billy Ripken. Gotta love family, Marty. Do you have a family connection or do you have something else? No, uh, these two are connected, but it's not for a necessarily a good reason. Uh, we've kind of over the years have found out these two are both scumbags. But before that, <laughs> Roberto Alomar and Omar Vizquel were amazing t- at turning double plays, diving, no hand, flip of the glove from 1999 to 2001. Uh, as, a, as a Tigers fan, I watched them turn a lot of double plays. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty spectacular, both those guys. I love that you got the Tigers in there. Shocker. What he could have? You didn't go with Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell. <laughs> right, the, f- f- <laughs> above, above this, I put first shout out to Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell, which is actually the best duo of all time. But they I are. See them play. I know. I pulled see up. Them play. I pulled up a list, and they are number one on. Yeah, they did together for eighteen years. I tried mm-hmm. to stay away from it, but you guys brought me right back in. From VintageDetroit.com, they have them as the number one Detroit combination, double play combination in history. Whoa, that's the that's the website I pulled up. Yeah, if, yeah, you're because you're a cheater. <laughs> you had to look for help. <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. Uh, well, I'm going with number five on that list since you have it pulled up, and it's Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins and David. I mean, that's when we started getting into baseball, and between them, four Gold Gloves. I mean, they they had that middle infield for 12 seasons, so you know, good combination and. We get to, we got to see them play because that's obviously part of the answer. Eric, do you want to read mine? It was his number six. <laughs> yeah, it's Robinson Cano and Derek Jeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were a great combination in New York. 
It, Dave, we should have. You and I should have played shortstop and second baseman. <laughs> I don't know. That's too many balls hit that way. I want to just kind of chill on the infield. Put me at like first okay. base or something like that. All right. Question of the week is done. Finish out this beautiful show with our game of the week. Marty Tallman is our host for this game. What are we playing as he sips his water, gets his throat ready to talk? What do we got? Yeah, so we are going to do Major League Baseball players and their favorite TV shows to binge watch. All right. So I'm buying this information. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) So what I'm going to do, I'm going to uh, go through four different choices and then we'll start with uh, David. We'll start with you, and then we'll go ar- around town. All right. How so, many, how many do we have? Um, well, we have up to six, but we don't need to use them all. All right. Let's rock and roll. Depending on time. So, starting with Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees. What is his favorite show to binge watch? Number one, Squid Games. Number two, Ozark. Number three, Breaking Bad. Number four, The Americans. Starting with you, David. Oh my God. Uh, oh, and you have to keep your own score because I'm not doing that. Okay. <laughs> Anytime Ozark's on the list, I'm going Ozark. So if I'm wrong, then I don't want to be right. Okay. Doc? It's the Americans. Art? Squid Game. Tate? Ozark. And last but not least, what do you got? Squid Game. It is Ozark. Aaron Judge's favorite show to binge watch. Is Ozark, which is the a, show I'm currently watching. So he's a smart person. He, I, he's I was, a smart not, guy. Yeah. All, right, all right, I lost this game. I'm waving the white <laughs> flag after one. All right, number two, Christian Yelich. What's his favorite show to watch? Number one, Law and Order. Number two, Narcos. Number three, CSI Miami, or the show Twenty Four. Christian Yelich. Does he like Law and Order, Narcos, CSI Miami, or Twenty Four? Starting with you, Doc. Narcos, because he's a narc for stealing money. Okay. Jeez. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with I'm you, sorry. Tate. I'm sorry, Tate. Are you Brewers fan? You didn't. You, yeah. Where were you at five minutes ago? I, it was. It's called sarcasm, David. Oh. Right before this started, I asked my girlfriend, "Would it be weird if I wore my Christian Yelich jersey?" So at least no, now I'm happy. I, I really wish you. I wish <laughs> you would. Um, Art, what do you got? I think he's a Law and Order guy. Okay. All right. Tate? Uh, I'm going to go with CSI Miami because it has the worst lead actor ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. What do you got? I want to go CSI Miami too, just because he got traded from Miami. And that just sounds like a great answer. But I was was thinking that's that's brilliant, Marty. uh, (laughs) But but I'm going to go Narco because it's a much better show. Okay. The answer is 24. I didn't even get the chance to guess. Oh, shit. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get an ad? I'm going to be an honest person on this show. I was going to yeah, say Yeah, you, you already had. What was your actual answer? I was going to say Narcos. So I'll, I will right, take the L good. for that one. All right. And I'll take the L for Integrity. being uh, a bad host. Um, number three, Matt Manning. So we're, what is his favorite show to watch? The Office, Parks and Rec, Arrested Development, or How I Met Your Mother? The Office, Parks and Rec, Arrested Development, or How I Met Your Mother? Anyone says how I met your mother, I don't trust them. I go first, right? So I'm going to go with Parks and Rec. Okay. You guys can just go ahead. I don't have to say it. Uh, I'm going to go with how I met your mother. Uh, I'm going to go Parks and Rec because that's the most recent. Matt Manning's like 21 years old or something. So Strategy. That's my strategy. 
It's another easy one for me. When the office is in there against everything else, it's always the office. So that's a slam dunk. Doc. Dude, I'm going with you on the office too. It was the office. Oh, that's, that's, that's a gimme, guys. Come on. It, it always is when it's on the list. All right. So um who's what's the current score? What do we I got? got two? I got one. Zero point zero. I'm on a bagel, yeah. All right. David's winning. Lucas Giolito. All right. So what's his favorite show? Number one, Seinfeld. Two, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Three, Veep. Or four, The Sopranos. Lucas Giolito. I think Tate starts this one. Uh, I'm going to lock in with Curb Your Enthusiasm. I go Sopranos. It's 100% either Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Both are very polarizing shows. And when they're either by themselves, it's always that one. And you're overlooking um, Veep, though. Same. No, it's not, it's same. Veep, no Veep's not going to be it. Um, <laughs> since I'm currently watching Seinfeld all the way through, my heart tells me Seinfeld. So I'm going to go with that. I think I, remember, I think I remember him actually tweeting something out about Curb. So I'm going to go with that. It is Curb Your Enthusiasm. I knew it was one of the two. <laughs> yeah, Doc, I didn't he did tweet guess. about it. I didn't, I didn't like it. I'm, I'm the worst host ever. You are I was awful. Gonna guess after Eric, after what Eric said, I was going to guess Curb. I was I like, believe you. All right, we don't lie here. All right, I'm actually going to get this one right. So here we go. Number. <laughs> all right, so wait. Me, David, and Tate all have two. Art's got one. And yeah. Oh, uh, come on, Britton. You got to get on the board. Britton, you're going to get this one. I feel it, man. Alex Bregman. Mm. What is his favorite show? Uh, number one, Power. Two good girls, three Love Island, or four Love is Blind. I'm gonna go Love Island. What was the first one? The first one was Power. Power, Good Girls, Love Island, Love is Blind. Cannot be Love is Blind. That show is trash. Um I'm gonna go I'll go power. Marty, we have one more after this, right? We do. All right, I'm gonna go power. <laughs> uh, is 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 I don't know what Good Girls is, or either. what Love Is Blind. That's the show Nick um, Pollock was gonna go on. Real? Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, oh, you Bregman likes Love Love Island. Love Island. I'm uh, I'm also gonna lock in Love Island. All right, did everyone go? I know we did, but I'm just making sure. All right, uh, it's it's actually Love is Blind, which I... Is, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. All right, and last but not least, Lance McCullers. Um, what's his favorite show? Number one, New Girl. Two, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Three, Superstore. Four, Schitt's Creek. Oh. Oh, the, Marty, you on the last one in there made this one a 50-50 call. Which one are you going? I'll pick the other one, David. Am I up first? Probably- yeah, we're yeah. probably we're probably thinking of the same. It's either a hundred percent New Girl or Shit's Creek. Okay, there's, yeah, yeah, and those are the no two in between. There's no chance it's the other one. I'd be sacrificing all my points betting. You, that. No yeah. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, no Superstore. No, no, no chance. I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm leaning. Superstore is underrated, by the way. I just have to say that it's actually a pretty good show. But all go right, ahead. Um, I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards New Girl, but uh, I'll pick the I'll pick the opposite of what you do. You know what? Both shows my wife really likes. I just I binge watched New Girl a few months ago, but Schitt's Creek is something that it's like a staple in this house. So even though my brain is telling me it's New Girl, my heart says it's Schitt's Creek. I'll go with my heart and go Schitt's Creek. I'll go New Girl. Art. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Superstore. I'm gonna go New Girl. New Girl. 
I'm going to go Shit's Creek. Please let me get at least one, Marty. <laughs> and it actually is Shit's Creek. Good job. Yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at that. When you listen to your heart, it takes you places. That's Listen to your heart. And just a shout out to Whit Merrifield. His favorite show is Lock and Key. And I don't know what the hell that is, but it, that's his favorite. Marty, how do you find this ad? Do you just stalk them? I, I, I Google, man. That's yeah. interesting. I, yeah. I didn't know they had their that stuff out there so easily for them to find. But I've, Ozark is the best show that we've mentioned though tonight. If you haven't seen Ozark, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Go see Ruthie; she's oh, awesome. She's, she's fantastic. The whole show, top five show of all time, fantastic. Uh, but I'll tell you what also is fantastic: our two guests. I want to thank you both for coming on the show tonight. I know we ran a little longer than we normally do, but it was a lot of great discussion with everybody on the panel. And I want to give you a chance first to plug any work that you're doing or anything that they should know about you as we close out the show today. I'm doing no work. I don't like working, but I would like to say thank you very much for inviting me on the show. It's great. I love it. Uh, I don't want to get too fanboy, but also congratulations, uh, David, on uh, your fantasy pros uh, a gig. I read that on Twitter. So congratulations. Y'all are doing great work. I love your podcast. Thank you for having me on. Brent, I can tell you this, that this will not be the last time you'll be coming on. I can <laughs> promise you that. Now you broke, you broke a rule. You're not allowed to compliment David. Uh, <laughs> it's a rule. Uh, yeah, very very much. I don't know. Was this your first time doing a podcast? 100%. Oh, my cool. goodness. You crushed really it, cool. man. Absolutely crushed electric. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, need so to make sure you're on. When you yes. complimented David. Then <laughs> I, uh, sucking up to the host is never a bad idea. So you know. It's a pro move, really. Right. Hey, man. We love you here. You're definitely a, a triple player for life, that's for sure. And Tate, man, same to you as well. Absolutely fire guest. And, I mean, obviously you were doing stuff. We talked about with Curlin, and you've been in the industry a little bit, and you're doing awesome work. Please let everybody know any work that you can they can find or anything that you're doing that they should check out. Sure, sure. So right now, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TateS21. Um, other than that, right now, I'm a free agent. going to be launching my own website and podcast here in the coming weeks. Um, been coding it for a while. It looks like 1997 AOL, but good enough. Um, but also, I want to just say thank you for having me on here, uh, and congratulations on your gig at Fantasy Pros. It's well-deserved. Um, awesome show. It's, it's hours in the rotation. Hey, just, uh, I, I just called Britain about complimenting David. And I you want come right to come after. back. <laughs> this is nonsense. God, cheesecake's a hater. But hey, I, like I, I appreciate the the compliments, guys. It's to be honest with you, just doing what we get to do every week, especially with these three. These three make it so fun for me to come in here and and do record baseball stuff. And if I'm feeling like I'm just stressed out writing, I'm just in a group chat with these guys that are just giving me life and making everything fun again. So all the credit goes to them and, and to everybody that just interacts all on Twitter. It makes it a great place to be. So I don't want to make that about that. I want to make it about you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys need to be more guests on. And I hope when we get this out there that you guys are guesting a lot more places because you guys are absolute superstars and doing great work. So make sure you follow these guys. Bryn, where the, can they follow you on Twitter? I don't know if you put yours. Out there. It's just my uh, handle. Britton Allen is B R I T T O N A L L A N. Yeah. Make sure you're following both these guys. And obviously as you can tell from listening to this episode, great fancy baseball minds. If you listen to triple play, you watch the YouTube channel. Maybe you check this out on Facebook. 
if you're that old school. However you tune into Triple Play Fantasy, we appreciate you. Next week, we'll be back with another great guest, and we're going to be previewing the third base position, which should be a fun show. But until then, stay safe, happy drafting, and we're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.